Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Rate Don't Hate, the podcast where you rate the players and we finally got a win so you can actually not hate them for a week. But uh, I've got uh, Stephen Smith with me. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm very well, thank you. You good? I'm much better. <laughs> much better after that, after a win. It's been a, it's been a painful few podcasts to start the season, but... We finally have positives to discuss, and uh, yeah, Christ! But uh, we won't we won't drag about too much because I know you're prepping to go on holiday. Anywhere exciting? Uh, I'm going to Norfolk, so oh. just down the coast, little week away. It's, it's for the kids. It's one of them kids ones where there's going to be a thousand children running around, just before school, <laughs> swimming pools. Okay. You know, I, I I don't mind noise, but this will probably test me. <laughs> Put headphones on. Um, we've got two games. You'll have lots of podcasts to listen to. Uh, dear. Um, but we'll get into the game. Yeah. Um, Allison, he was on the pitch. I gave him a seven because he just looked confident. It, I, I can think of one shot which went wider than near post, which was then a, maybe a judged offside, and he was covered. And then one square ball that he gave left to maybe Virgil. Other than that, he just looked like his normal confident self. So seven seems logical. Yeah, I went with it. I just went with a six because that's my starting point when we when we win a game. Um, and he, <laughs> he didn't have much to do. But yeah, I think what he did do, he, he was self-assured. And, and I think that's fair enough. But uh, yeah, he, he didn't have a whole lot to do, which you can't really... Expecting a nine nil win, um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll go on to the exciting one. Um, yeah. Let's start with Trent because he's been getting a lot of <laughs> flack this season, and to be fair, quite a lot of it is probably fair because he has defended quite poorly. But in this game, thunder rocket of a goal, um, some lovely passes, some lovely crosses. Again, didn't have loads of defending to do, um, but he did look assured in in, in a couple situations. Um, got an 8.3 from the listeners on, on average so far. Um, what have you What have you gone with? I gave him an 8. I mean, this whole rhetoric where he's a bad defender, we're asking him to be the most attacking fullback in world football. We're asking him to play within a team which adopts a high line and that requires an elite-level defensive midfielder to screen him. And then we take that man out Fab, and then we put in a guy, Hendo, who can't do it, and then we jump all over him when they target that area. So Fab stops everything, and we'll get to Fab, but ultimately Trent is being asked to play as high as possible, as quickly as possible, and then he gets slaughtered because he's chasing back all the time. And yet he didn't play well the other night, but nobody did. And we don't need to jump on the back of the same guys over and over when there's... It doesn't happen that often. You know, I think I've seen a few things where um, Reese James has made some absolute howlers. Nothing gets said. Mm. Trent can get skinned by a brilliant one-on-one attacking player and rightly skinned. It happens every time. We saw Naby get skinned last year. We've seen Virgil, you know, get turned a couple of times. It happens. 
So for him to come into this game and be so assured, and be, it's the bounce back ability that he possesses, and that's a world class mentality because he, he, it looks like he's been chomping at the bit to to, to amend. He's not crumbled. He wanted the ball. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Orchestrating. You would get some people might drop into their shell. They might not want to go forward through fear of getting caught again. Not Trent. My game is to exploit in the final thirds because I know that Fab's on the pitch. What Fab gives everyone, and I tell you, I'd go as far back as Allison. What he gives Virgil, what he gives Bobby ahead of him. I said this the other week. He is the fulcrum of which certain pieces around the board work best because mm. he allows them. It's that self-assured nature that Trent can go do whatever Trent wants to go do because you've got the best, maybe not the best defence midfielder, but the best destructive defence midfielder, if you get me. Yeah, there's always that debate with Rodri and probably Casemiro in there as well. And, well, probably not Busquets nowadays, but, yeah, there's certainly different types. Um Kante was more box-to-box. We, we all know this by now. Uh, but, yeah, I, Kante, I agree with that. Kante wasn't a holding midfielder. Yeah. You tell that man to go, he, he didn't know where to be. You give me Carrick or Kante as a holder, I'm taking Carrick all, all, all day long. But we'll get to Fab. Let's not deviate too much. Trent was brilliant. He wanted the ball. You know, it's no surprise that the people around him shine. Harvey just looks like he's popping, popping, popping every time Trent's on the ball because he knows he's going to get an incisive pass. Not just the ball into feet. It's going to be incisive. It's going to get moving. And Trent just ups the game. And I'll tell you what, maybe it is something we have to look at just to push him forward because he just gets to a point where I don't want to see him defended. I want to see him on the ball as much as possible. So maybe this is just something we have to tra- transition. Maybe this is why Joe Gomez has signed a contract. Maybe this is why we went and got Calvin Ramsey. Maybe we're looking at the bigger picture. Yeah, it's certainly. I've never been one for... Maybe midfield's not the answer, but yeah, maybe if we ever transition, because I think Klopp has talked about playing more forwards. If we ever play a right mid instead of like a right winger. That'd probably be the perfect position for him. Yeah. Um, but it will be interesting. But yeah, as you say, our formation is is just dictated around him. And you, you can see it when when the midfield works well, it, Trent works well. And I think we certainly saw that in this game. Um, Robertson, I went with an eight for Trent, I should say. Robertson, um, not as impactful as Trent, to be fair. Probably had a different role in the game. Um, I think Diaz was kind of playing a bit more centrally, so there wasn't really that connection to be had in the game. Um, but I went with Robbo with a seven. Nothing nothing too eye-catching. I think he ended up getting an assist off a corner, didn't he, if I remember correctly? But in terms of open play, I don't remember anything too eye-catching. Yeah. yeah, so it should be. Ish. I gave yeah. Robbo a seven. Yeah, yeah, so we agree on the seven. Do you know what he did? He calmed himself down because yeah. he has limitations to his game. So what you need is, who do you need to, to be the better player to impact the game? You need Trent. And so, yeah, you saw Diaz move inside a little more. And that probably meant that Robbo had to be a bit more reserved in his running. Yeah, um, But he, he's just he's just best when he's solid. You know, we don't need Robbo to be spectacular to be spectacular. We need Trent to be spectacular. So if, if the if if the system shifts so that we're going to overload the the right and maybe Robbo has to come round a little bit more, I'm all for that because he's he's a good defender, um, and I'd I'd much rather have him being the guy that has to shift round because Diaz is is you know going inside mm-hmm. so that we're a bit more solid to the break. Yeah, and I think once we see um, Nunes come back, maybe there's more of a can, not not connection. Maybe someone to link up more because Firmino, obviously, we know where he drops. He drops into central areas and sometimes fills in in the midfield. Whereas when Nunes and Diaz play, maybe they just take turns drifting left rather than centrally. So there'll be. I think it'll be interesting to see who um, who Robo gets a connection with quite quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've got a 7 for Robbo as me. Uh, same as me. Um, listeners have gone for a 7.2 as well. Yeah. 8.3 for listeners on Trent. Um, 
Gomez quite quickly, again, not loads to do. We know he doesn't really go up for set pieces because, well, he's fast and can defend and he's not seven foot tall like our other centre-backs. Um, I, I think I just went with a seven. Um, nice steady day for him. And, yeah, it's nice to have him back in the team is probably the, the main point. I gave him an eight because Ooh. it was such an uplift on... And I don't blame him at all for United game because no, no, he was our, nobody was good. Steadiest players, I think. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's got so many plus points to his game he's he's rapid he's got a good sense of when to drop in and he's, he's good on the ball he's assured he's brilliant I mean if if there was ever a way that we could you know push him into a right back role and then make us really you know really solid at the back I wouldn't be against that in the future maybe that's something we look at next summer but um I, I just think there's certain games where because Fab's there and I think it's just an assuredness. I, I don't know. I really don't know what happened in the week. I, I, I just think everything was wrong and we can't dwell too much. But this game, he was exceptional because he's got everything you need in a modern defender. Um, I know we go for giants, but there's very few people that he's going to have to get into a war with, you know, more than three, four times a game. So... For, for, for the way he played, he was just solid. He kept a high line. He doesn't seem distracted by a bad performance. And again, it just shows the mentality of the boy. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one because I think if Klopp, if we didn't have Gomez, I don't think Klopp would have ever bought Gomez. But the way he moulded him, he just really suits this high line. Not too bad in the end. I think he is still six foot, six foot one. So he's not exactly midget, but... You just look, we've, we've signed Matip and we've signed Kanata, who are like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, I think. So <laughs> it's just an odd one. But I, I think we all re- we all remember is that the 2018-19 season when when these two started as a centre-back partnership and it was just probably the best most of us have seen in our lifetimes, to be honest. But if you've not seen Lawrenson and Hansen, that's probably the mm. best we've seen. Um, so, yeah, it, it is really... It is really good to have him back. And as you say, he's versatile. Maybe Regan, who we sign as a midfielder, maybe we could not play a back three, but maybe one of the fullbacks can be more reserved and Gomez can shift out to the right to cover Trent or something like that, like Mourinho and that used to do back in the days. So it could, we could develop a bit in that regard. But um, yeah, another good day for Gomez. Um, Van Dyke obviously got the goal uh, a little bit more defending to do, I think, because I think he covered the odd counter-attack more so in the first half. I think I went with an eight, given the goal, giving him the edge. Yeah, I went with an eight. Um, thoughts on Van Dijk and your rating? I gave him an eight because I thought there was a bit more urgency in his play. A couple of times he, he dragged the ball forward with, you know, an intent. I think sometimes he can just get a little bit bored. And I think sometimes he can come into the game knowing that he's the best player in the world from a defensive point of view and kind of playing like it in that it's bare minimum. Whereas I don't think he was at fault for the goal in the week. I thought Dave explained it perfectly sensibly that, you know, there was no right decision to make. Him standing still and making a six foot four frame big was probably the best thing to do. You know, ultimately he hasn't got himself into that predicament, but... Mm. I, I, I don't agree with James Milner just flinging himself at Sancho's feet. But um, Virgil yesterday just looked, just looked Virgil again. I mean, Virgil has two or three bad games a season. And this is a player that fundamentally plays 50 games to 60 games. So when he's on, when Fab's on, the whole team's on. Because if you get through Fab, you've got Virgil. Fab will make it so hard to get through to you. And if Virgil, Virgil just looked like he was a bit pissed off. Like, I've been questioned this week. How dare that these people question me? I'm I'm the best defender in the world. I make, you know, one questionable decision or have one questionable game. And and people are, you know, oh, Van Dyke this, that. He gets dribbled past by Mitrovic and, you know, it was all over Twitter. These are the levels that these guys have put themselves to because people have to take these snippets and where Virgil wasn't great yesterday, he wasn't anything spectacular. He just didn't need to be because he doesn't need to be because he can just deal with any situation and cut the pitch in half. And that is his brilliance, continuing to cut the pitch in half. 
where he can turn around and say, I will happily stand on this halfway line, regardless of what happened on Monday, I'll stand here, boys, go create havoc. So that in itself just gives everyone a lift. Yeah, I think if you're looking for one person to provide us the platform, it is Van Dyke because Fabinho is excellent and, and, and can protect us in front. But if Van Dyke's on it, we're basically near impossible to score against, I think. So, yeah, I, I think if it, if this is the game that took him to maybe spark his season into life, a comfortable game, as we keep saying. But yeah. it, it's got to start somewhere. And we obviously play Newcastle on Wednesday. I think they're missing Callum Wilson, Bruno Gimmeresh. Uh, Sam Maximum came off injured as well today. So maybe it'd be interesting to see Isaac against him. Um, be a different yeah. threat. I mean, it might be similar. I'm not I'm not seeing loads of Isaac, but it might be he's Is Chris massive. Still there? Yes. It'll be Chris Wood, surely. <laughs> well, <laughs> surely you don't throw Isaac into the, yeah. that game against Virgil. Hmm. Did you look at that and go, I'll tell you what, son, I'm going to throw you in against the world's best defender for your debut. You don't do that. You put, Chris, you put Chris Wood in. A bit, is it? I don't know what. So are we home or away? We're home. Be? So it's at Anfield. Yeah, it might be. it's probably more of a Chris Wood game than if it was a Imagine, Champions. Um, yeah. He's probably nervous as it is. You know. Yeah. There's Virgil. Go play against him. No, well, that's I, a good point. I, I hope he does because Virgil ate him alive. I think I'd rather play Chris Wood, but I think it makes one. I think but, it makes sense what you're saying. But, but, yeah. but Chris Wood knows how to how to play in the Premiership, and he knows he how does. to bring people into the game. And he's, you know, we've seen what a new player from a new country, certainly from a striker's point of view, Darwin can get dragged into a game where it's uncomfortable. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the temperament of Isaac, but I I I'd question Eddie Howe. If what four days after Isaac signs, mm. he puts him in ahead of Chris Wood, eight months after he's paid thirty million for Chris Wood, mm. I don't. I'd be surprised. Be interesting. Be interesting. But There's certainly easier you, you say some maximums out. Maybe you put them both in. True. True. But I think they have Ryan Fraser who made a career against us. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. You know, it should certainly be a, a tougher game, you'd think. Um, moving on to the midfield, and th- yep. this is the, the debate of the season so far. It's obviously sparked Klopp into um, coming out publicly saying we want a midfielder, and we're linked to literally every midfielder in the world currently. Um, mm-hmm. Now, it's only Bournemouth, and I think we do have to stress that. We did look better. Fabinho's probably had his best game of the season, probably his best game in a little while. Yeah. Um, and you can see that in the ratings. Right? I won't ask for yours just yet. He got 8.6 from the listeners. Harvey got 7.9, which I think is a tad half. I think he's better than that. It's half. And the listeners and Jordan Henderson have a weird relation. He got 5.6. I think most people would agree Henderson was probably the worst of the lot. But the midfield did look better. Henderson's clearly not a left centre mid, so we do need options there. Yep. But... I don't know. I, I don't know how to approach this, but the midfield looked better, but it's still a concern, if that makes sense. Li- winning 9-0 is obviously mint. It's class. We're going to laugh about it for years, but you're still going to that game and think, I don't ideally want that to be our midfield against Newcastle. Well, there's there's two people I really want to talk about more than any other, and one of them isn't Bobby. The first one's Fab. He screamed at... You know when he played that ball into Mo. And he took the touch and blazed it over. He was yeah. screening our back four 30 yards from their goal. He was screening our back four 30 yards from their goal. That is just insane elite defensive awareness. That he can actually squeeze their midfield so much. Where he'll, and it, if you look at the rest of the pieces around the, the board, Virgil is maybe 50 yards from goal. Joe's maybe 45 yards from goal. We're just suffocating them. And Fabinho's positional sense is just otherworldly. I mean, I think some of the best defensive midfielders that, that we've seen in the modern game, the art is, is, is learning to be in the right position before 
the game even dictates you have to move. And reactionary is what I labelled Milner two weeks ago, that he'll react. Fab doesn't need to react because he's already there. He knows where to be. In the highlights, and I've seen the game back and I've seen the highlights as well, I tried not to look at the entertaining part, which was us decimating them. You obviously no, watched the game on delay, didn't you? Because you didn't watch it live. I so. didn't watch it live. Yeah. No, I was busy watching gliders with my daughter. So, <laughs> so I watched it late last night and then I watched a bit again this morning. I tried not to look too much at the goals. Well, I watched the goals and then I, I, I rewound it back and I tried to look at how he may have stopped this, you know, this, this fantasy that we should, you know, drop our defensive line and create space for our midfielders, which is it's just stupid. Fab, his positional sense is just perfect. He looks like he can cover either side at, at, at ease. He looks like he could just stroll forward and win the ball. He looks like he could cut a passing lane at ease because he just seems to be in the right place. Now, he has the odd bad game, but he didn't play in the United game. If, if he starts that game, he, either did he, did he have a knock or a, a cold or something? Or just clock, just maybe wanted to make a point to John Henry. I don't know. But his brilliance is often epitomised by his absence. When we had the ball and we were decimating, he would just stand there and watch like a, a true night watchman. Don't worry, go get it. I've got this. You know, and you could see that everyone around him just pops. Everyone yeah. knows that it's right, Fab's there. It's right, Fab's there. It's right, Fab's there. And there's no one person more than Hendo that needs that. Hendo looked a little bit more happy yesterday because he had Fab on the pitch. You know, he didn't need to worry about the things that were clearly making him panic and make mistakes on Monday. Fab is, if Rodri's the best controlling deep-lying midfielder, then Fab is the best destructive and positionally on-point defence midfielder. He is just irreplaceable. And that's why we have to find someone that can... If, if there's 10 boxes that Fab ticks, we've got to find someone that ticks six or seven. And if it, for me, it's either got to be the lads, Frankie or Casido, that can play from that left and switch round. I'm not going to say Ginny again, but, you know, someone like Ginny. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting. I think, well, is it fir- I think it's Thursday the window closes, so yep. we could potentially have... Yeah, we could potentially have a busy um, few days in that regard. And people are saying if it, if it's a couple midfielders, maybe Naby's going, which... Naby's injured. He, he won't pass a fitness test anywhere. So he's not going anywhere. Well, I think um, fitness tests, it's more to do with your history of injuries and stuff like that. So I think he could probably pass one, unless his literal leg is falling off, which is which is possible with Naby. Um, just, 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 I don't know. We've let other midfielders go up on a free, so... It's something we do. Um, yeah, but you've, you've invested 50 million and then what, another 20 million wages? You can't mm. do that. You, you, you get him fit. You, if we sign one midfielder and theoretically that becomes the ox replacement, then all you're doing is you're taking the pressure off Navi. We're three, four games into the season. Let him build his way in, then get him signed up when he's comfortable again. Well, I've got to think that. How do you let Naby go? He's at his lowest point from a commercial point of view in his transfer, you know, what we would get for him. He's at his lowest point probably in his morale. And the fan base, you know, 75% want him gone. Mm. So I think if we can catch him on the same terms, what do we lose? We keep a player that we know is gifted, knows the system. It just makes... He becomes that Thiago switch around where he plays 30 games a season and we just accept that the other 30 is injured. Same as Thiago. Well, that's the thing. I think the problem is you have both of them. Um, I argued on the AI podcast on Friday night. I think Thiago's much better than that. I think everyone would agree with that. Yeah. Um, but we don't depend on Naby. We depend, our whole mid, our, basically our midfield works or doesn't work with Thiago. So we've got to replace the dependency of Thiago and yes. make him more of a luxury player. So I think that's what we've got to address rather than whoever's in and whoever's out. I think that's what we've got to replace because 
Tiago's our best midfielder. We all love Fabinho. By the way, you talk about we, you love Fabinho, but Tiago is just oh, he's different. Not, he's not he's different. Plan. He's yeah. different gravy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we have to replace that dependency on him, and when he plays, he can maybe just take us to that extra level. Um, so yeah, it, it's an odd one with the midfield. But um, anyhow, we'll get back into the range. But uh, yep. yeah, the midfield is still a still a point of debate and still a worry for me ahead of Newcastle. Um, let's start with Henderson. We'll get the. I don't think he's negative or positive. I think he was just fine. I think he didn't. He he just doesn't look right on the left because he does drift over. <clears throat> and I, that's I can't really criticize him for that because he's played on the right or in the middle for about fifteen odd years now. So I can't really criticize him for that. Um. But yeah, he just doesn't look right on the. He doesn't look correct on the left. I'll word it that way. So it doesn't sound stupid. Um, but he grew into the game once we took dominated the game. He mm-hmm. he kept it simple, um, pressed well at times, and then I don't remember him doing too much on the ball. But I don't. That's probably what we need from Henderson at the minute, and that's what we remember Ginny for in that role. I'm yeah. not saying he's anything like that, but that was the role everyone just remembered. Oh, Ginny was playing, and then you look back and he. he Stopped free counter attacks and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I give Henderson a six. I thought he was mostly fine, um, not too involved. I gave him a seven. Yeah. I mean, I probably just got caught up in the whole thing where, yeah, nobody's getting below a seven today because we've just won 9 0. Yeah. And, you know, he's a tremendous man. He just isn't an elite footballing player. Um, mm. And so. He's done nothing wrong yesterday. I I I, th- I think he made some rash decisions where you know he's he's run through Mo's path when maybe Mo needed to hit the ball first time. Yeah. He's charged into the box, got all excited. He's just had a that's a good Hendo game, you know that that's a good Hendo game. So if I'm not giving him a seven for that, well, I know he doesn't really know where to be on the left, but. I don't know. He's just he's just not a Liverpool player, is he? Um, he's just good off the bench. He, he, he's what Jimmy was yesterday. We just need to find the guy that he comes on for rather than he starts above. You know, he he, he just he, he didn't do anything wrong. But even his best game, he his best game doesn't influence a game. Mm. But his poorest game does, and it can be so affecting to the rest of the team. Um, I think that's a good way of wording it. It, it, it is a shame because I think as divisive as he's been, he can peak, be carried. Yeah, but because he's, he's so ineffective. It is, but I mean, you you remember his peak. Obviously, I think thirteen fourteen individually was his probably most exciting season. But even under Klopp, I mean, sixteen seventeen, he was all right. he was quite good as a six. Seventeen eighteen, he was all right, and then Fabinho obviously came in and he grew yeah. into the eight role. Then um, really good in spell. I think he was probably best as the six in, in the seasons when Fabinho got injured. But these yeah. last couple of years, the spell at centre back was funny. <laughs> you can look back and laugh now, but at the time it was painful. It's not his fault. Yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't put himself there. Yeah, last season he just—I don't know—he just seemed to lose it physically, which was obviously a huge part of his game. And this season, he's just, never had good pressing good. numbers. But he could create carnage by just running at people um, or running towards the ball. You know, this headless chicken thing. And then you'd have the more astute players then to just pick up, like, like Bobby. So Bobby would pick up on, you know, the forced passes because mm. Jordan was running straight at people. Not so much pressing, but, you know, just be, be, being a nuisance. Now he's decided he wants to be on the ball, except when he doesn't want to be on the ball. And then when he doesn't want all, when he doesn't want the ball, he really doesn't want the ball. We, and that, and that's not a Liverpool midfielder anymore. We need someone that embraces the ball, can use the ball, can shift up the gears, slow the game down when required. Who's just a controlled? We need all three of our midfielders to be controlling midfielders to some degree. Whereas Henderson has never been a finesse midfielder. He's been quite the opposite. He's been. He's an agent about... of chaos, wasn't he? That's when. I... Of chaos. That, when, when not... that, yeah, our peak midfield in the Klopp, let's call it the first era of Klopp, it's when 
Ginny basically let the other two midfielders just go absolutely mental in terms of pressing the ball. Um, so yeah, it, it, we have definitely developed in that in that regard. Whereas Fab's probably a tad more stationary now. But the thing uh, with that was that was when his best periods came when only three or four, maybe five or six teams were low blocking us. Now everyone low blocks us, so he mm-hmm. was able to operate within a game which was. Still probably 60% in our favour, but it was still very much a open game. Now he's having to operate in certain games where he has to be incisive and creative. Neither one of these things are in his locker. So he's he's good as a last 20. He's good in certain games as a six where we're just going to absolutely dominate. And he's good in the... I want to keep him in the squad. I just want... Him to understand that his role, just like Milner's did, is going to regress in line with mm. his abilities. So I gave him a seven. You know, lovely touch with the shirt. Yeah, I was going to bring he's that up. He's clearly, he's clearly an excellent he's captain. A, he, he's a good man. He's a good club captain. I just don't know if he's a good on-field skipper. I don't know if he can be part of this. Well, I know he can't be part of it because why else would we be looking at midfielders? Because... This poor period, he's played parts in every single one. Our bad form reflects his bad form too often. Yeah. He's he's become the Diane Lovren of midfield. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. He, he may have not ever been the best player, but I don't think anyone looked at him and thought he was the major weakness when we had Lovren there. Um even other defenders when, when Matip was made out of Pringles and still is made out of Pringles. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't think he ever used to be a, a weakness, whereas now you look at it and just go, ah, he's a level below now. Um, but we'll move on. We don't want to turn it into no. one of them. One of them podcasts. Let's get on. Again, I don't even think that was overly negative. It's just a good discussion. But Harvey Elliott, because I know, Fab, you, you, you wanted to talk about and we'll save him till last... Harvey Elliott, I went with, where is he? I went with an eight for Elliott. Obviously a lovely goal. This is the game where he seemed to be making an impact quite consistently. Um, The link-up on the right side was better than probably in the other games. Again, Bournemouth, asterisk. Um, But yeah, this almost becoming more of what a Liverpool midfielder is now, because at times I think, He's only, I think he's only about 10-odd starts in the, in the Premier League or whatever it is. Yeah. At times, you still look at him and just look, he's a winger playing in midfield, whereas I think he is starting to grow into a mid, somewhat of an attacking midfielder. And we saw that in the goal, like on the just on the edge of the box. It was a crap touch by Bobby, but it's an assist. If anyone yes. actually did have him in the FBL team, you, you're a weirdo, but well done, you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just a lovely finish in, in them areas which we normally don't have a player in them areas. Yeah. I gave him a nine just because he's everything that an attacking midfielder for Liverpool needs to be. I think sometimes we can go square, we can go back too often. He was looking to be incisive every time. I imagine that Klopp has said, when we get the ball, we just get forward as quick as we can and use your instinctive play to break the lines of their back line. So he looks like the epitome of what an instinctive player should be. He's fearless. He's 19. He doesn't care. He just wants to get on the pitch and play football. Go play football. Added to which that he has good on-board intelligence, good off-board intelligence, and a brilliant technique. This is the perfect, you know, project for Klopp. People are talking about Drew Bellingham coming in next year. I'd love to see Harvey 50 games later, just to see what Klopp does with him, because he's, he's becoming so important. He was just brilliant in terms of wanting the ball and causing endless worry for defenders, fullbacks, midfielders, dragging people about. His tank looks like it's not going to... And I think the fact he's come off, the fact Klopp was so quick to protect him shows his level already. I think, you know, we, we've spoken about needing a left-sided midfielder we haven't spoken about needing a right-side midfielder, and he's our starting right-side midfielder right now. Yeah. So it, it just goes to show how much he is now, and it, he could become anything. What we saw in Deli Ali five years ago, 
never got beyond i mean it got to brilliant but then it dipped amazingly i think he can go on and become one of the best young english players mm -hmm. over the next five six seven years and he's got the best progressive coach in the land so and Klopp loves him yeah i was gonna say he clearly trusts him i mean he picked him up as the best player at the start of last season and he mentioned that a few times this season already and well he's, albeit... the, one, he's the one that's not getting moved about yeah he's not he, he he's playing in his preferred position yeah Henson's well, played from the bench played the six played the the right of midfield played the left midfield yeah harvey comes in harvey plays his, his position so if you're getting moved about the board you're you're not moving my about the board you're not moving Virgil about the board. You're not moving Trent around. You're not moving Diaz. So I think whether or not Klopp wants to admit it or not, the fact he's moving people around the board means that their position is, is close to untenable, and that's why we want someone to replace that said person. And and it is not anything more to do than Harvey's impression on that position that he's kind of making it his own at the moment. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think you compare how we bring through youngsters, say, to Man City and probably Chelsea's the one because they've probably got the best academy and only... By far the best. Yeah, and they've they brought through Reese James. And, yeah, they brought through Reese James and Mason Mount. Yeah. And I think if you compare Elliot to maybe Mason Mount because Foden's more, been more of a forward, more, more of his career, where Mount... I'd, I'd still see him more of a midfielder, even though he's playing in the forward line. Um, He'd be perfect for us. He'd be perfect. Oh, I'd, I'd, I'd love him. At, I'd love him at Liverpool. But he, how old is Mount now? 22, 23? 22, 23. And I think that's so, three years on him. I'd say that Harvey is... So Harvey's playing akin to the season that Mount was playing at Derby? Yeah, I'd probably say so. And, and Har Harvey reached <laughs> that level as a 17-year-old for Blackburn two yeah. years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got clock for the next three years. I, mm. I think if he stays fit and he looks, he looks like he's hungry to learn. He's playing in between a sandwich of Trent, Mo, and Fab. Is there yeah. any place for a nineteen-year-old to be in world football? Imagine if, imagine if Thiago could stay fit, Christ. <laughs> imagine it. Imagine yeah. it. Yeah, it'd be perfect. Um, but yeah, Elliot is such an exciting player. That's why he was my Twitter account for so long. Um, but yeah, I do, I do love that kid. Um, perfect place to learn, as you say. Uh, for being, I haven't been reading out the listeners' ratings, have I? Uh, I, I did last I, time as well. Yeah, I'm new to this. <laughs> Today <laughs> was better than it be. Um, Elliot got a seven point nine from listeners. Uh, Henderson, I think I said, got five point six. But yeah. You know what you are, listeners. You're horrid to him. Um, what did Milner get? He got six. Yeah, that's probably about right. Just just to check the biases there. Yeah. Fabinho, you obviously want to talk about him. Listeners give him an 8.6. Looks like I gave him an 8. I thought I gave him a 7, but I did give him an 8. Um, you obviously watched this a bit colder than probably most did and not on a stream that was cheered. That. <laughs> um, I was listening. Is it that? What's that app? That, um... Where you get the scores come through. Live score or flash score. Yeah, they they do the commentary now, don't they? Yeah. So I was in a field listening to that and you know, catching a few snippets off Twitter as I was walking through some fields and I was thinking, well that's going well. Uh, <laughs> um but yeah, I was I was able to watch it and I, I, I was just I wanted to, to look at Fabinho's positional play. Mm. It was nine out of ten. He was just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Because he had just like I don't care what he's doing. It's not what he does on the ball that we bought him for. It's what he does off the ball. Ginny never had the ball. Sometimes you'd see him ghost through games. I think, was it Brundish used to call him ghost? He did, but I think he, it's cost, he looked like an actor who played someone called Ghost. I think oh, that's the misconception. Um, power. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see that now. Yeah. Oh, Wait, it, that caught fire and then he became ghost because, well, lack of touches and stuff. But I think that's what Brundish meant from it. But it, if people want to analyse, I mean, I don't know if you you saw some of the um, BT 
uh, panel yesterday when they were looking at the Man City game. I, I got back and I saw the end of that. And and they were just, uh, Robbie Savage was creaming himself about Erling Haaland and saying, you know, don't worry about the touches he doesn't have. It's how he, it's the impression he makes on the game when he's on the ball. Well, the key for Fabinho is, is how he makes his impression on the game when he's not on the ball. Because when teams want to counter-attack us, it just drifts into the right position because he's usually two yards from there anyway. So immediately the passing lane is cut out. And like I said, when he plays that ball into Mo yesterday, he's received that in a screening position 30 yards from goal. So if they break, he's either taking the card or he's taking the clean clean tackle. And you, you know he's doing that because that's what he does. So he, he's, he's brilliant in what he does. You know, it, it, it's, it's so unselfish the game that he plays, and he might just be the most, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, underappreciated midfielder in world football, because what he allows the team to do is, I, I, I can't talk about it anymore, because he just allows them to go play. You know, mm. he just allows them to go. Thiago is on a different planet, on the ball, on the ball. Well, Fabinho is on a different planet, off the ball. You know, we don't want him on the ball that often. You know, he, when he does stuff, we look up and we go, oh, that was good. Yeah. When Thiago does it, it's, it's something ridiculous. You know, that we all saw that training video where Milner just stops and watches him do something. And that's Thiago. But with Fab, he just allows the team to, to go hunt and pray. And he just wins it back, wins it back, wins it back. And no one else in the world of football who has an aesthetically pleasing slide tackle is Fabinho as well. You know it's coming as well, but there's nothing yeah. you can do about it. Just There's nothing you can do about it. I mean, it gets to a point, I think, where people stay away from it. You know where some strikers, some wingers, don't want any part of Virgil? They don't want to know. They don't want to... No, I, I, I'd rather not chase you down because I don't want to get into that altercation. I think some people will... For instance, if we were playing a Henderson-type player, he'd go square all day. He doesn't want to get into that hole trying to break the lines with a through ball because Fabinho will stop that and him we saw what he did to Luis Suarez a couple of years ago in the Champions League semi-final he puts people in his pocket in the middle of that pitch and we need to build the midfield around him and Thiago and to add one more to allow Harvey to grow alongside that it would just make the perfect midfield and, and he's part of that and he might just there's some games where he's more important than Thiago not many but some yeah, yeah, absolutely. But well, that works so well in tandem as well. Yeah, that's what we're going to get at. But um, uh, I'm getting. Was it nine out of ten you went with Fabinho? Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Fantastic. Uh, under the forward line. Yeah. Probably won't stick on this one too much. Maybe Bobby a bit and Diaz, but more. I went with a seven out of ten because he was good at everything apart from scoring. Now, if we drew that game, it'd probably be like a two out of ten. But yeah. we won. And we won nine nil and. Maybe I should mark him down because he's my FPL captain. But he was good. He just missed an open goal and didn't didn't take chances. That hard, that one where Henderson kind of got in his way, I think you mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. The one where he took a first touch, then scooped it, rather than just put it through the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. But the open goal is probably the main one there. But uh, I went with seven because everything else was good. On another day, that's probably a three out of ten, as I say. But good performance, shit finishing. I gave him a seven. Much the same, you know. He he gets surrounded still, and I, I think they struggle to to come to grips with the movement of Diaz, and they stuck to their guns in trying to shut down Mo whenever they could, and this probably gave Harvey a little bit more room, probably gave Trent a little bit more room. He, you know, he he frees up space for others because they're just going to be drawn to Mo. So the more we can get out of Diaz and Harvey and, you know, potentially another midfielder, the, the more that's going to help Mo. But Mo's going to keep having these games where everything is sort of like a half chance. Now, the one he put over the bar, obviously the one he's on the goal line, is just use your right foot, you know, what are you yeah. playing at? But um, at least he can walk away from that. And Klopp was laughing, he was laughing. We've won 9-0 and I've basically had no impression on the game. And if you said that before the game, you wouldn't believe it. So, 
I'm quite happy for Mo to, you know, have a slow game and I gave him a seven. If we win nine nil and he plays bad every game, so be it. Yeah, the thing is, you play badly. He didn't. No, play that's bad. the thing. That's the thing. It's not like he every pass went awry or every attack was breaking around. We won nine nil, and yeah, 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 he played his part in that. I think. Other than the bad finishing, you'd be like, "That's a good game." Um, so yeah, it, it, he played his part, but it would, have been, it would have been nice. I think he had the highest. I think he, I think already had more combined XG than the rest of our forwards and maybe the attacking midfielder put together. Just sums up how odd a match it was for him. But yeah, um, it, he'll probably score more against Newcastle, who everyone had said be a tougher opponent. But well, I hope he does. <laughs> he'll probably score against Newcastle now. Um, yeah. Moving on to Diaz, because we'll save Bobby to last of the starters. Um, it it just gelled a lot better in this one. He obviously, what was it, two goals? Did he get an assist? I had it open. Um, but he did a lot. I, I, he did a lot in the game. Um, but I think we got to talk about the positions he picked up, because I think a criticism against Man United is everyone was too far away from it. I know Old Trafford's massive, but the pitch compared to Anfield and stuff like that, and you're playing a different team, but it just gelled so much more together with Diaz picking up central positions at times, yeah. uh, Bobby dropping a bit deeper on the, on the left at times. Um, and that's kind of where I want to see him, because I think we... We can have the moments where he's one v one via fullback, and he can just rinse him and do stuff that way. But we know what Liverpool forwards are; they are forwards. They're there for end product, and yeah, just don't. I mean, there's a criticism of Klopp at times. Sometimes we've coached out the the magic in a player. Yeah, if we keep that, but add in the ruthlessness. He obviously got loads of numbers of Paul. But mm-hmm. if we add in his efficiency in the central areas as well, that's when we're going to start talking about. That that's where the Mane replacement is, and I think we all see it in him. And this was an excellent game for him to show that. Yes. Well, I think against Palace, I could see them doubling up. They had uh, Ward and Klein, two right backs on him. So it's clearly been a thing where push inside, go find room. Um, and Bobby didn't so much switch out, but I'm I'm hoping that Darwin's gonna maybe have that pushed into his game where Diaz goes inside and Darwin goes outside and we have a bit more of a fluid, dare I say, Manchester City-like forward line. Not so much Haaland nowadays, but I think we need to be more unpredictable. I don't know if Mo can really switch all the way over. Maybe a bit like United when they had Tevez, um, Rooney and and, um, Ronaldo a bit more so than uh, than City because they were all forward rather than... Um, set you kind of play midfielders up there before well, Darwin's played for the Benfica on the left of an attack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he has played there. So maybe we take him out of the firing line a little bit, where you know we've got Connor Cody coming up next Saturday. I don't know if Bobby can play that game as well as Newcastle. So I think we need to be a little bit mindful about how much we play Bobby because you know as much as Bobby wasn't great the last two games. And he was great this game. We don't want to overplay players. So it may be that Darwin comes straight back in. So maybe we don't want Darwin stationary. Up and maybe, someone we, we want, maybe we want our forward line a bit more fluid. Diaz looks like he could become Suarez for me because I think he's got everything about his game. He's, he's got stature. He's got strength. He's got an aerial ability. He can strike the ball. He can drift inside, drift out. He's got some gnarle about him, and I think it can be infectious. And I think it's easy to mark a stationary wide man out of the game if they're playing quite high. Fullback's quite comfortable, especially if you've got another guy just inside him and a defensive midfielder. Once that guy wanders, it creates, I don't know, space. It creates an un easiness in the defensive line that you're playing against and we need that because if nothing else we have become predictable so we need these players to to get back to almost why we signed them we signed Diaz because he was just a live wire that would just illuminate games he would come inside go outside burst from the halfway line we can't get him to come into this team and say wait playing left wing 
you're going to be playing with Robbo and you're going to be linking up with a centre forward. We're shackling people. Imagine if we did that. Imagine if Rogers tried to do that to Suarez. We need to let some of these players, like Harvey, explore the pitch, dictate play in different areas. Because we have that ever-present in Fabinho with two centre-halves behind him and just kind of say, the six players in front of us go cause carnage. Go cause absolute carnage and express yourselves. But when we lose the ball, you drop into position. We need to be more fluid. And I think him going into those central areas, which we haven't seen yet, but we saw it a lot, and it was really apparent that that's what was happening. I think that could be something that teams just don't know how to handle because we're going to create overloads in the middle and then that will then give Robbo the space outside. And then we've got Darwin inside. And then we've already got Diaz in the middle. I think him moving about the pitch. I wanted to speak about two players, and it was Fab and Diaz. Diaz was everything about what this next incarnation of our forward line needs to be. It needs to be unpredictable. It needs to be dangerous, and it needs to be infectious to the rest of the team. We're one of the best teams in modern football. And he's one of the... The, the new breed of, of winger where he's he, he, he's not an orthodox winger. He doesn't really cross the ball, does he? He doesn't come inside that often. He likes to go outside. He's just a player that just wants to play. And I think the best parts of Rashford's game the other night were that he was able to dictate inside and outside and create space and just challenge people on the run and use his skill and ability. Well, that's Diaz every game. That's Rashford, you know once every two seasons. But we know Diaz can give us that every game. And I think he can be what Mane was season one for us when he was on the right-hand side and just just absolutely terrorise. Diaz is sensational. I think he's going to be our standout forward this year. I gave him nine. It could have been ten. Yeah. I think the only reason I didn't give him ten is I give Bobby Firmino ten. Um, Yeah, me too. Hat-trick of assists. Two goals, um, just, and even maybe more importantly than that, just general performance. Because even last year, he got decent numbers when he was fit, but you just watched his performance, and he's just like, that's not the same bloke. No. Whereas in this game, again, again, caveat, Bournemouth, championship team, shit. Mm-hmm. But Firmino looked excellent in this game. And he only played 70 minutes. And to, to make it such an impact in that time, he just did everything so well. And it's basically the opposite of the United game where that his role was just completely lost because the midfield was lost, etc. Whereas yeah. in this game, he could play as a nine. He could play as the false nine. He could drop into midfield. He could drop wide. And it flowed so well. That's where his use is. and. To be fair, he's probably the third choice forward, central forward, because I think Jota would be playing, and obviously Darwin didn't headbutt someone like a knobhead. He yeah. could have been playing. But he still has use. I've called him all sorts in the last couple of weeks, because he has played shit, let's be fair. He was awful. Yeah, but against certain teams who we know we're better than, which is most teams in the league, but we know it's going to be somewhat of an easy game. He still has this use. We can still play him in the Cups, and he can still make an impact and be a very different option to what Jotter and Darwin are going to be. So I went with a 10. It's just, regardless of the the output, just it's just nice having him not breaking out down every attack, not being in random positions and just combining well with the lads around him. That's probably what I'm more interested in taking away from this game than, than the output he had. The thing is with Bobby is he's now approaching 31 years old. He's not the same Bobby. He hasn't got the same energy. He's not got the same body. So, and we're playing against teams that are are low blocking us and they're surrounding central areas like they did with Darwin. So, is it any surprise that we, we try and push players closer to him like Diaz and he's better? Support the players that need support. We need to get players closer to Bobby to play more in and around Bobby. Bobby becomes the buffer. So we can use Bobby differently. And yes, he did seem to enjoy his football and it pushed him into a central nine position. 
but we need to play closer to Bobby in order to get the best out of Bobby. You can't just leave Bobby in the middle of the pitch. He's not the guy that can run and create havoc anymore. That, that, that player is much like Henderson. doesn't exist anymore. But what Bobby still has is a good footballing brain, a good touch. And when he spikes, you know, it doesn't happen that often, but he can really turn it on. So I remember his best performances, uh, City, four years ago, five years ago, whenever it was, when Coutinho was incisive and playing close, intricate passes in and around him. When people get close to Bobby, Bobby excels. Do not put Bobby on an island and expect him to be a survivor because he won't. He's not that sort of player. He's not Erling Haaland. He's not Darwin. He's not Vlahovic. He cannot do it. So if we're going to play Bobby, we need to squeeze everyone around him. And Diaz looked like he was infectious in trying to come in and support him. And I think this is, this is I was worried about yesterday because I thought Bournemouth were going to put six behind the ball. Bobby's just, he's going to become useless. He's just going to stand there. But we surrounded Bobby. Bobby had options everywhere. People, you know, we just got up to Bobby as quickly as possible. We had a real urgency. Whenever we get the ball, surge. If we lose the ball, we win it back. Surge again. If we lose the ball, win it back. We have to play at 100 miles an hour. We have to because that's when we're at our best. We are not Manchester City. We cannot just drift through the gears. Maybe we can later in the season when teams are less energetic and maybe not so up for the fight. But at the moment, we have to be the intense entity and we have to allow players to make mistakes with our intensity and with our drive. So, And Bobby works well with that because Bobby works well at 100 miles an hour. We just have to get the ball into him and he can create stuff, get it back. We can't allow Bobby to be... I think it worked good against teams like Arsenal and City where he has to press players that, that, that want to play out of defence. But in games like this, and certainly again with Newcastle, we've just got to get players closer to Bobby. So Harvey gets in, Diaz gets in. Even Hendo was making you know, straight line runs into the box. All these things help a centre forward. We don't want to leave him on an island. Don't leave Bobby on an island. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. If you use them well, there's still talent to use there. Um, probably his last year, to be fair, so let's just enjoy it when we can, and this was certainly full of enjoyment. 10 out of 10 for me, I think you said you wanted the same, didn't you? Yeah, 10 out of 10. Absolutely. Um, let's quickly do the subs. Uh, yep. Carvalho came on at half-time, but uh, Elliot, I think he had a knock, but they said it's not an injury rather than just brought him off. Um, yeah, I gave I him an eight. An eight, yeah. I went with a seven. I just think a great goal, but maybe slightly less involved than what Harvey was doing. I was uh, in a happy mood. I was in a happy mood. Yeah. <laughs> Rightfully so. Rightfully so. Um, Milner, I, I think everyone should default to a six, but it's you obviously have to. He, yeah. he came on, he did Milner things. Yeah. He, he did the Milner things that Henderson should be doing. Come on and just help us out again. Take the game over, yeah. Yeah. Um, Simicash <laughs> got two assists. I think I defaulted to an eight just because he got two assists, which, yeah. I, I gave him an eight because I, I don't like the hair, but the left foot's good. Yeah, that, that's what matters. As as an Albi Moreno enthusiast, it's, well, it's kind of more the opposite for me. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, I think that we have the, the worst hairstyles in the league. I, I I'm not a fan of Harvey's. I don't like um I don't I don't know what's going on with Moe's. and um yeah I don't like um I have no hair so maybe it's just perfect a, a judge a thing yeah you can just you can support City and all the bald players yeah <laughs> uh, um the two young lads Bobby Clark only got tenish minutes we've added time I think um but he just like he came into a team that was absolutely tearing the other team yeah. apart. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't give the two young lads a rating because, to be honest, I couldn't be asked putting them in my spreadsheet. But <laughs> yeah, um, but Basetic, I mean, getting twenty-five-ish minutes with added time, he's kind of came from nowhere. I mean, I've heard. I, the, I didn't know who he was. Yeah, I heard the name, but I think he was injured all of last season. He's one and, of those names that you just you've seen it, but like so many, it, it's irrelevant until. But he's become. Yeah. He looks. He looks a player. I mean, we've seen players like this, but... Mm. 
I want to see him. Like I'm guessing it'll be Derby the next time we see him, but I do want to see more of him. I think he comes on every game until we get players back. Interesting. Well, if we're winning, if we're winning, why? I think nah, if we're he's... losing, I think if he's lo- if we're losing, I think he just comes on now. I think once you get into Klopp's vision, and you're getting those amount of minutes, I mean, I don't know, just play him. I don't. He didn't come on against any of the other tough games, or did he? When no, he didn't. Him? But then he's come on this game and he's looked good. I gave him seven. Bercetich. Uh, yeah. He just looks like a player. So, say so, so if we're losing against Newcastle, uh, it's probably because the midfield's faltering. For me, he comes on. Say so if we're winning against Newcastle, it's because the midfield's doing well. Get them off. He comes on. In this period, this is where players might get their opportunities. I think, I think we're just going to see him. I think people like him can be, you know, we won't see Ox again, even if he comes back from injury. No, that's a good point. I mean, we saw, what was it, Morton played a couple Champions League games last year, didn't he? Um, so know. I don't think, I think it was Porto and maybe one of the Milan games. The Spurs game in the league wasn't the prettiest, but Morton got minutes. And he looked good in moments. You yeah. know, he had a good, he, he had a good range excellent. of passing, yeah. but I don't know. I just like seeing these guys come through, so yeah, I think as long as we've got Games coming thick and fast. We need to rotate from the bench, and I like seeing these early substitutions. So and yeah, and I think as long as you know the adults are left on the pitch, Fabinho, Virgil, players like that, I think we need to to get these lads up to speed because we don't know what's going to happen with Thiago. We don't know what's going to happen with Naby. So we've got to have players, and we've got to get minutes into their legs. We've got to get experience. So as many minutes. Minutes as they can get, three things become evident. They get experience of the Premier League. They become an option. They increase their value. All these things are so important for Liverpool. If we want, you've seen how we turn players over. What do we get for Solanke? What do you play? 100 minutes? You know, all these things are important. Klopp's not silly. Mm. He knows that if he gets players onto the pitch here and there, that increases their values and people are watching. There's going to be a number of scouts that, that would have earmarked him. These are assets that we have. We can't just be about putting aged players on. We have to, you know, be realistic to the business we are. FSG want to turn over certain players. So we get these boys' values up. Curtis Jones, for instance. We'd probably get 25, 30 million for Curtis Jones. You, you've seen what the... um lad from Wolves was going to Forest for. Yeah. You know. One loan and that doubles. <laughs> exactly. So we need to get these guys on the pitch. Klopp's not silly. Mm. Get good young players on the pitch and it increases their value. It increases his budget later on. So it's win-win. Get them on the pitch. Hopefully whilst we're firing them up as well. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, I had uh, yesterday on my EPL preview, I had 5-0, didn't I? You did. You bottled it. You didn't go hard enough. <laughs> I was worried. Uh, I nearly put seven, but we did. And we were talking about five all in the in the group chat. So yeah, I, I sort of mentioned that. Um, we knew they got the goals right. Um, how can it? Why is he wearing a? Why is he wearing that jumper or that cardigan? I don't understand it. He's Spanish. He's cold. Leave him alone. Mm. Get enough. used to it. He'll have gloves out next week. No, no, we're not in Newcastle. I was going to say it'd be cold in Newcastle. Um, 15. 15 degrees. But anywho. Um, but that's it. It's, it's been a fun one. It's, it's nice talking about a win, Jesus Christ. It's been too long. Yeah. Um, anything, and I, I know you're obviously on, going on holiday, are you going to knock up any articles or are you just having the week off? No, I'll do a couple of bits. Otherwise, Dave will just say something on um, the daily. So I'll do, I'll do a couple of things. Um. I will try and watch the Newcastle game, but it's not at the top of my agenda. And then I'll um, be back in the flow of things, ready for Everton. Is it 12.30 next Saturday? I think so, yes. Yeah, so hopefully six points and a Frankie or a Casido would be nice. Oh, both. <laughs> Surprises. Um, but that's it. That's it from us today. Hopefully you've enjoyed the show. We will be back at the... Uh, 
I don't know how I'm going to handle midweek games. This is something I should decide as host and producer of the podcast. We may do, yes. we, we may pair the games up, or I may just try and knock one out on Friday or, or uh, uh, Thursday or Friday, I should say. But we will see. But thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you for Stephen, especially for stepping in, because Addy, if you listen to this, you're a snake. Let me down. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.